Hello and welcome back to Talking Sense, the podcast. Talking Sense was an interdisciplinary research group held in conjunction with the Ashmolean Museum in 2018-19. In the first episode, we ran you through the aims and goals of the project, which were to use the collections of the Ashmolean Museum to explore the role of the senses in art and the museum. In the second episode, Christy and I discussed the workshop days which we attended and the way that senses have changed and altered over history and in literature and art. In the following few episodes, we'll be hearing the gallery talks as they were recorded. In this episode, we'll be hearing the recorded gallery talk by Shan Witherden, a DPhil candidate in the Department of English. Her talk partner was Johnny Lawrence, the co-producer of this podcast series, and he is a DPhil candidate in Arabic literature. The title of Shan and Johnny's talk was Sensory Intoxication, Getting Drunk from Oxford to Iran. Between medieval Oxford and modern Iran, Shan and Johnny will walk you through how drunkenness and intoxication play a big role in the visual culture of the senses and our understandings of how the body interacts with the outside world. So in this episode, you'll be hearing Shan talk about a medieval puzzle jug. Hi, my name is Shan and I'm a PhD student at the Faculty of English in the University of Oxford. And I'm writing a PhD thesis on the senses and medieval English theatre. And today I'm going to be giving a short talk about the sensory aspects of drunkenness in relation to a medieval puzzle jug that can be found in Gallery 41 in the Ashmolean Museum. I want to start by asking you to imagine that you're in a tavern in medieval Oxford. Use the bear for inspiration if you're familiar with it. It's a local pub that dates back to 1242. You're sitting with a group of your friends. In front of you is the large green jug that you can see in the display case behind me. You lift it up in your right hand by the large handle on the side. It's very heavy. Your nose catches the scent of mead within. You bring the top of the jug to your lips, eagerly anticipating the sweet taste. But all of a sudden, you hear a splashing sound. Inexplicably, you find yourself drenched in mead and your clothes feel wet against your skin and you can hear your friend laughing at you. You look at the jug more closely and your eyes are drawn to the intricate stag's head on the side. Here's the culprit. It's a secret spout designed to catch the unwary drinker. This is not just any jug. It's a puzzle jug, a type of medieval drinking game. The solution, if you're curious, is to place your finger on the stag's mouth before you take a sip. Puzzle jugs weren't exclusive to the medieval period. They continued to be used until the 19th century. But this particular one was made in the late 13th or early 14th century in a workshop in Brill or Borstal, both of which are in Buckinghamshire. It was found in 1895 when the foundations were being laid for the town hall on St Aldate Street. So interestingly enough, this is actually quite close to the site of the Bear Pub that I asked you to imagine earlier. Let's have a closer look at the design. Can you see the little faces around the top of the jug? These are very typical of 13th and 14th century earthenware, which is very playful. And this is something you can also see in the comical animal figures on other objects in this case. So have a look at the bizarre little creature in number four, who's covering his snout with his hands. Drinking vessels in medieval Oxford were fun objects, a feast for the sense of sight and not just the sense of taste. And what all of the other earthenware objects in this case also have in common is this distinctive green glazing, which again is typical for the period. 
Now, when I first introduced this object to you, I asked you to imagine a scenario that appealed to all five of your senses. With a little bit of imagination, it's possible to appreciate how this object would have been truly multi-sensory for its original users, involving sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. In the museum today, however, your experience of this object is dominated by your sense of sight. The jug is behind glass and it's empty. You can't touch it, smell it, and you certainly can't taste anything inside it. By listening to me talk about this object, you are of course also engaging your sense of hearing, but in a very different way from the original users. You're hearing about the object, rather than being immersed in a soundscape inspired by that object, which as I've suggested, would have included splashing sounds and laughter. There are obvious reasons why the jug has to be displayed in this way. It's a precious historical artifact, nearly seven centuries old, and putting it in a glass case is the best way to keep it accessible to the public while also preserving it for future generations. But our hope is that with talks like this one, as part of the Ashmolean's Talking Sense project, we can help make these objects come to life in their original sensory contexts. I want to talk a little bit more now about the sense of taste in particular. What did people drink in the medieval period? I've suggested to you that this particular jug would have contained mead, a sweet honey-based beverage. But there were other alcoholic drinks in England at this time, including ale and cider. And most obviously, wine was one of the most widely traded wares in medieval Europe. Unfortunately, much of it probably wasn't as good as the wine we can get down at Tesco today. A lot of it probably tasted quite sour, in fact. It was often transported in wooden casks, which suffered a lot of manhandling and were vulnerable to changes in temperature. Having talked a bit about the drinks themselves, let's think more about drunkenness and the senses. During the medieval period, just as today, drinking too much alcohol was known to dull the senses, specifically causing blurred vision and reducing hand-eye coordination. On the other hand, you might be surprised to hear that certain herb-infused wines were actually prescribed to improve your vision. The relationship between alcohol and vision in the medieval period was therefore double-edged. Wine was understood to both help and hinder sight. It ultimately came down to a question of moderation. A glass a day keeps the doctor at bay, especially if it has herbs in it. When alcohol was consumed to excess, however, medieval physicians believed there could be very serious medical consequences, including paralysis, numbness, and epilepsy. And some even believed that the intake of alcohol was directly linked to life expectancy. So in the mid 15th century, one English scholar educated here at Oxford wrote, without cider and wine and mead, men might live longer than they do now. He sounds a bit like a modern self-help book. So this covers the physiological impact of alcohol in the Middle Ages, but how was drunkenness viewed in a moral sense? Unsurprisingly, medieval natural philosophers viewed drunken people with extreme disdain, especially because of alcohol's link with sensual vice. Drinking heightened sexual appetite and encouraged lechery, a sin of the flesh. And more generally, drunkenness was problematic because it had a negative impact on self-control and good manners, two important moral virtues. But where drunkenness is concerned, probably a more pressing concern for most people was how on earth to cure a hangover. Cabbage was thought to be particularly effective, but not just by eating it. 
This leafy green vegetable was also administered rectally as an enema, as if your hangover hadn't ruined your day enough. If you didn't fancy that though, another option was to rub your hands and your feet with salt and vinegar, in addition to the testicles for men and the breasts for women. Just as drinking out of a medieval puzzle jug was a multi-sensory experience, so too was this hangover cure. Can you imagine the smell of the vinegar and the coarse feeling of the salt on your skin? And I won't even go into the other aspects. Lots of medieval remedies, like these hangover cures, seem truly bizarre to us today, and it's easy to poke fun. But other medieval remedies are actually more sensible. For example, if you had an upset stomach, consuming fennel was recommended. And here we can find a really interesting area of sensory continuity with the past. People still consume fennel as a home remedy for digestive issues, especially drinking it in a herbal tea. And you may also remember a news article from a couple of years ago about some researchers at the University of Nottingham who found that they could make an eye salve from an Anglo-Saxon medical manuscript and it was effective against antibiotic-resistant superbugs today. So some medieval hangover remedies were clearly ridiculous, but that doesn't mean we can't learn something from medieval medicine more broadly. I want to finish my talk by making an important point. Being drunk in the medieval period wasn't just associated with the excessive consumption of alcohol. The word drunk could also be used figuratively to refer to a state of enrapture. And to think about the differences between these two types of drunkenness, I'd like to talk a bit about Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, which were written at the end of the 14th century. As some of you may already know, the Canterbury Tales are framed as a storytelling contest between a group of pilgrims travelling from London to Canterbury to visit the shrine of St Thomas Becket. On the other side of this room, in a case called Pilgrimage and Private Devotion, you can actually see the kinds of souvenirs that were available to pilgrims in Canterbury, and if you find some time, it's well worth a look. But if Chaucer's pilgrim's journey was motivated by a sombre, devout activity, then their tales are anything but. Their exchanges and stories are raucous, comic, and sometimes really coarse. In fact, the miller is drunk in a very literal sense when he tells his tale. The competitive banter and sensual indulgence that we see among these pilgrims actually resonates very well with the object I've been talking about. It's easy to imagine Chaucer's pilgrims holed up in a tavern after a long day of travelling, sharing their lively tales while daring each other to try out this deceptive puzzle jug. But I want to think a bit more about the tenth pilgrim who tells a story in the Canterbury Tales, and he's the merchant. He tells a tale about an old man, January, who's cuckolded by his much younger wife, May, and discovers her having sex with another man in a pear tree. I won't spoil the rest of the story for you, but what's interesting for us right now is that before January discovers his wife's infidelity, he's described as being drunk with the pleasures of marriage and ravished in a trance every time he looked on her face. January, we might say, is blind drunk, but the brew is love, not alcohol. This idea survives today. We still refer to people being drunk in love. And if you're interested in hearing more about this topic, you can listen to Johnny's talk. For further reading about this podcast and all of the podcasts in this series, please see the attached bibliographies in the show notes. Music for the show was by David Hillowitz, Moment of Truth piano version, provided by freemusicarchive.org.
This podcast was presented, edited and produced by me, Christy Calloway-Gale. And me, Johnny Lawrence. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.